Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Tim, thank you for joining us on this live episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou Weiss, and we're going to be speaking, Lou, with Anthony Nieves, who is the committee chair for the services report on business. And I know you have a question, Lou, right off the top, so fire away. Right. So, Anthony, why did they change after they've been branded the the non-manufacturing report for probably the last, I don't know, 40 years how come they switched to ISM services report? Not that I'm critical. Serious. Well, great question. And, and I'll give you a little history on that. Uh, it was originally right. called non-manufacturing <clears throat> simply because the way it was identified with the 18 industries, uh, which is identified by uh, NAICS code, by NAICS code that, um, anything that was not um, uh, in manufacturing. And there are certain companies that were not really service related. So they called them non-manufacturing. Um, but then as we evolved and we looked at the various uh, industries and the media itself was always referring to it as services. So um, again, non-manufacturing services, services is truly uh, a good definition for it. And that's how it's identified by the media. And uh, therefore, we adopted it. Uh, also, to note that the PMI, which is the composite index, uh, was always listed as the NMI, non-manufacturing index. Now, it just is referred to as PMI. It used to be the purchasing manager's index, right? I'm sorry. Which used to I be the purchasing, which used to be the purchasing manager's index. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, we got that. We got that all cleared. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, Anthony, what's new? Yes. Well, we've had our third month of growth reflected in the services uh, report on business, and uh, that's a great indication of, of the direction of the economy. We see the composite index index of fifty six point nine. It's up 1.2 percentage points from the 58.1. And um, it goes hand-in-hand, business activity uh, at 62.4, up 4.8 percentage points. You know, keep in mind that we've had some pullback in some of these indexes, you know, down 4.8% on business activity. We see a significant change in new orders. New orders came in at 56.8, down from the 67.7. That's 10.9 percentage points down. However, we were, uh, if you think about this, going back to March when we first uh, started the decline uh, for this services sector, and then um, we were really down at the bottom, and so there was nothing but going up from there. And we had some initial good, great gains, I should say, and then, so it had to kind of slow down a bit. I mean, it can only grow so fast um, and for for only a certain period of time. So... Even though we had some pullback, it's still substantial growth for this sector. 
Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Anthony, give us a feel or give our listeners a feel for a couple of things. Uh, What your respondents are saying I think is always important, and then what industries are what sectors are doing well within services. Great question. So when we look at the various uh, uh, 18 industries, and here's one that comes out of real estate rental and leasing, which is um, the probably largest, it is the largest contributor uh, percentage-wise to GDP for the services sector. Uh, and this quote comes from that, from that industry. Business rec- recovery continues as the country reopens. Um, here's another one from retail trade. The coronavirus continues to be a challenge for the business as we pivot and adapt to these new conditions. Sales have been affected in the retail space with less foot traffic in our brick-and-mortar stores, while e-commerce sales have increased significantly. We are starting to see sales level out in stores. um, uh, I'm sorry, sales level out in this new environment from the pandemic. So that's that's a good. broad stroke of, of what's happening in the services sector. We're seeing companies reopen, not quite at 100% capacity. In fact, just recently, uh, barbershops and salons have uh, reopened in L.A. County, but only at 25% capacity. Uh, so with that said, that, that puts kind of a damper on the employment picture. Uh, the second part of the question you asked me was you know, about the various industries um, that have grown and there's 15 of them that have increased in the non-manufacturing sector or I should say services now I have to correct myself on that one and going by the composite index uh, if you look at the top three uh, arts entertainment and recreation healthcare and social assistance number three was utilities I'll go down one more to four to accommodation and food services so we see uh, some labor-intensive uh, industries that are starting to see some traction now this month. Um, again, uh, for the third consecutive month, I should say. For the three industries that declined or contracted in the month of August, number one was mining, number two was information, and number three was other, ser- other services. Well, yeah. when you say other um, services, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, when you say other services, does that, does that also include other certain base manufacturing services within that number? or uh, Nothing manufacturing related. It's like uh, printmaking. Uh, there's uh, uh, mortuary funeral services are in there. Just a catch-all uh, that doesn't fit Got into it. the other um, 18 industries or 17 okay. industries, I should say. Okay. But I've always been curious about the fact that mining is in the services business and not in manufacturing. But that's the only reason why I asked the question. Yeah, people, uh, Tim always asked that question about mining, and the other one is, is construction. But if you it really might turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you look at those two industries and you really uh, get granular on, on defining them, um, even in construction when they're building things, they're really more assembling and putting components together that were manufactured elsewhere. Uh, the same okay. thing with um, uh, with the mining and exploration. It's basically where they are um, performing a service of whether it be 
exploration, excavation, uh, you know, the actual mining function itself is more service related than actually a production piece because then the products or the elements that they garner then gets transposed into a, into a manufacturing setting from there. Right. So, Anthony, in this report, were there any surprises to you about movement within the report? Well, I think that, uh, one, as we're starting to see the global economy uh, get better, uh, what was surprising for me is coming out of the contraction uh, with the exports and imports. So that was uh, that was a surprise, as well as, um, and then as I became, was able to understand uh, from our respondents' comments, the other piece was the uh, inventory, inventory index. That contracted. And what our respondents were telling us uh, from the various comments is that we had the increased business levels uh, over the three months, and they were using up the existing inventory. And the last two months, um, definitely the, the high volume compared to where they were prior to, uh, may have caught them a little bit off guard. So that's why it's uh, we're, we're seeing the companies now worried about how they replenish and build up inventories going forward. Okay. Uh, inventories is always interesting to watch. I see employment is doing well in that sector, despite the fact that I think, if I had to guess, Anthony, your services uh, segment of the economy took a bigger hit than Tim Fiore's manufacturing in terms of loss of employment. Would that be accurate? Yes. And, and again, these companies are not back. Uh, to 100% uh, capacity. They're not back to where they were pre-pandemic. I've said often enough, as the employment index goes, that's how this sector goes. And right now they haven't brought back, um, you know, pre-pandemic level employment. So uh, it's still continuing to have uh, job loss. We saw the most recent jobs report indicate that. Uh, Granted, the rate of decline is slowing. Uh, it's up from the really low point that we had uh, back in April. It was at 30. Uh, if we remember, the index was at 30, 30. Uh, and then right after that, it was at 31. And then it bounced up to 42 point something. And now we're up to uh, uh, the 47.9. That's a, that's a strong comeback. Yeah, just the well, slowing in the rate of contraction. Right. Really that's is right. Still, we're still not in the positive territory yet. Well, not it, only it's that, interesting. Take, take certain services, uh, like you brought up before about restaurants. Here in New Jersey, uh, Governor uh, Murphy, uh, as of, I think, either last Friday or this coming Friday, is opening up restaurants for inside dining to a maximum uh, uh, capacity of 25%. Um, so that means that they're going to lose money every to every customer until they get to 75% capacity. So it almost pays for them to stick with the outside dining because most of those places here in New Jersey, they're packed. So now they're going to close the outside and open the inside and, <laughs> and restrict the number of people that can come in. So it's, it's I think it's a little backward thinking, but who knows? Well, I think that 
what you'll see in the restaurant industry, I think they'll maintain the outside dining. There's no other way, uh, to your point, um, you know, the margins are very tight in the restaurant business. Um, it's uh, really difficult to, um, when you look at the fixed cost that they have and the variable expenses, payroll, and payroll is a, is a huge expense for, for that yeah. industry, but um, your kitchen <clears throat> production level in the kitchen is pretty close regardless if you have 50 covers or 250 covers. You know, you can shed some folks off the line, but you still need various areas of kitchen production. Then you look at uh, the seating, and that's staffed accordingly uh, based on the number of covers and, and occupancy uh, if it was a hotel, but it would be actual table uh, uh, covers. And what you mentioned about, you know, to open up inside for 25% and give away or give away the outside, I think the challenge is not every restaurant has the capabilities of having – um, outside dining. They don't have the footprint for it. Some restaurants have actually done quite well because they had large outdoor seating capacity, and as long as they named the, maintain the distancing, uh, plexiglass partitions, all kinds of uh, you know cleaning and other associated uh, uh, elements of maintaining the COVID protocol. Yeah, that's, that's all true. Uh, one of the things here uh, that the town's have the uh, right to issue permits for outside dining. I'm not sure that it's, uh, I think the approval comes from the state, but then the, then the towns have the right to either restrict that or not give a permit for a business to have outside, maybe mostly because of the point you made about the uh, land footprint. But uh, in either case, it's a real mind bender. Yes, definitely. You know, the comment that uh, one of the respondents uh, uh, submitted and I read earlier about the uh, retail space, um, that's interesting. There's another comment in um, in the report about um, as we look forward toward the uh, uh, forward looking toward the holiday season, it'll be more uh, of an online type transactions than the typical foot traffic that we have seen in, in past holiday seasons. So uh, it remains to be seen uh, the impact of that on the uh, retail trade and uh, where consumer confidence is at that point. A lot could happen between now and then. Um, you know, I don't know what the validity is of uh, what's been projected out there as far as coming up with a vaccine uh, in October. If that happens, it might help salvage uh, somewhat normal of the holiday season. Uh, again, we'll have to see how it pans out. That's a myth. They're not coming up with a vaccine in the next 60 days. It's not happening. It's not happening. Anthony, well, I, I notice in things like employment, there are are those comments in employment and in supplier deliveries and the other sections in addition to the comments that are uh, earlier in the report what respondents are saying yes we uh we have if you look through the body as if as the listeners if they have access to the report itself and if they look through the body of the report you'll see comments specific to employment and, you know, what's typical um, is that 
there's still difficulty in finding uh, workers uh, for certain um, types of industries and, and skill sets. So even though there's many folks that aren't working, it's a matter of what is applicable to the uh, outstanding jobs that they have. And there's been still continued poaching by companies uh, for specific positions. And um, as companies have furloughed and, and laid off folks, they have not brought them all back. So um, here, here, I'll read one comment that comes directly from Wholesale Trade. The need for employees is higher, but we are having a very difficult time finding employees to fill out open positions. So that's been a prevailing theme even prior to uh, the pandemic. Sure. Well, it's interesting, and it's that specific comment that I asked, which is why I asked my question, Anthony, because I have been looking at the difficulty to find people as a manufacturing issue and the skills gap as a manufacturing issue. And what this indicates to me is that it's far more than that. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's kind of a um, different skill sets uh, are warranted for different types of industries and different types of positions. Um, it's not like every service industry is uh, trying to fill um, non-skilled uh, minimum wage positions. <clears throat> there's uh, professional scientific technical services. There's management of companies and support services. There's information. These various industries require um, a very high skill set. And some industries, um, and especially in the information space or technology space, they are less reliant on having team members, employees in one location. They can work remotely. They can work from home. Um, as long as they have the connectivity, it doesn't matter uh, where their physical location is. And uh, we're seeing, as, as it's been printed in the media and we, hear, we see it all the time, there's been uh, an increase in the whole virtual meeting space. And uh, so uh, companies are conducting business differently. So back to your question about the employment uh, there was a shortage in certain industries and, and companies prior to the pandemic, and there hasn't been a, a huge shift as far as unemployment in certain areas, certain demand positions within those certain industries. Therefore, buy stocks in robotics. <laughs> I yeah, think we can go back to that earlier comment. Yeah, I think we should invest in vaccines. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. I'm not yeah, I don't think we'll see a lot of robots. I'm not sure we'll see a lot of robots in services. Uh, they, just came, they, just, they just came out with the dog, the seeing eye dog. <laughs> it doesn't have a head. It's the weirdest looking thing. It's four legged and it's got all kinds of sensors. It's like an autonomous dog as a seeing eye dog. It just came out about a week or so ago. Wild but, stuff. Yeah. I don't remember Anthony, the name of the movie. I don't remember the name of the movie, but what was it? Put money in rubber or the plastics? Plastics. Uh, Mrs. Robinson. What's that? Is it Mrs. Robinson? Yes. The graduate. Yes. 
There you the Graduate go. was the name of the movie. Uh, it also gotcha. came, it also showed up in It's a Wonderful Life. There was a comment also in that same vein. Uh, Anthony, transportation is in the services sector. How is transportation doing? Is it behind the curve or catching up to the curve as the economy reopens? Well, transportation is, uh, you know, number five when it comes to the composite index. So they are, you know, ahead of the curve there. They are above the 50 baseline. And uh, the same thing in business activity. Uh, not quite as high, but they're still in the plus territory. Um, so they're experiencing uh, growth as a particular industry. And, and the key thing is that um, as capacity is starting to uh, feel it a bit uh, within the various companies, and especially in this sector, it is so reliant on overland trucking and transportation because most locations are remote and disparate. Um, it's not like a, just straight bricks and mortar. Um, so and a majority of the companies uh, have a footprint of more than just a local base. It's regional and national, and there has to be um, some kind of um, distribution piece in there. So the transportation and warehousing and the wholesale trade go hand in hand. Um, that is the piece um, in, in any kind of uh, multi-unit service companies. Um, they are reliant on the distribution channel. Okay. Um, I want to touch on inventories for a moment, just so our listeners kind of understand that particular index, which is now at 45.8. Where is it that inventories are considered too low? When the index is in the 50s or higher or when it's in the 40s and lower? Yeah, it's uh, it, we stay with the straight 50 baseline. Uh, we're above 50. Inventories are increasing month over month, and below 50, they're decreasing. And inventories, I, I don't want to say they're not as significant um, as as in the manufacturing side, but you find that service companies are um, uh, less uh, reliant. Um, they're not as reliant on inventories because it's more of a demand pull. You don't have the cycle time that you have with manufacturing and production schedule. Um, where you see inventories become relevant and prominent is in industries such as retail trade. Um, uh, they have to buy. They have to forward buy uh, seasonally, and they're sometimes anywhere from six months to a year ahead of time as far as they start booking their uh, retail product. Uh, same thing uh, when you look at uh, the wholesale trade and the, and the warehousing and transportation, they're building up and having product on hand uh, for the various locations that they distribute to. And then you also see it um, in the accommodation and food services. They're not as long on inventory as some other types of industries but their uh, hotel, for example, has a big four inventory of China glassware, silverware, and linen. And depending on the size of the property and, and, and volume, they have to keep that product on hand. And so in healthcare and social services, uh, what kind of inventory are you looking at? Anything from medical supplies, 
to, and that will include PPE type stuff. Uh, and that's where we've mm-hmm. seen a buildup of inventory in PPE, uh, as well as a higher consumption rate than what we've seen uh, uh, pre-pandemic. So um, anything from uh, IV solutions, those are all things that have run at times, uh, various times in short supply. And so there's always been a replenishment factor uh, associated with some of those type of products. And talking about prices, Anthony, uh, the index for August is at 64.2. In July, it was 57.6. June, it was 62.4. Pretty aggressive. Uh, Are we seeing prices increase that dramatically, that rapidly? Well, you know, a good place to look at um, and see which commodities are up in price, which we list in the report itself. So you look at what's up in price and as well as what's in short supply. Um, we also have the down in price, which is minimal at this time. Interesting enough, um, and I'll note that two areas where we've seen it reported both up and down in price is diesel fuel and gasoline, right? Well, mostly diesel fuel, mm-hmm. not gasoline, just diesel fuel. And diesel fuel yeah, we have to realize that companies, they will forward buy or hedge when it comes to fuel. And sometimes it's a timing issue as to where and when and how they book their uh, their supplies. So that fuel cost drives a lot of other pricing in the uh, non-manufacturing or the services sector because of the, um, again, reliance on overland trucking, uh, petroleum-based products uh, like plastics and whatnot. Um, in the commodities up in price listing, we're seeing cleaning products, janitorial supplies, lumber products we know is associated with, uh, you know, tariffs and trade, uh, medical supplies, all the PPE stuff um, is also listed in there. Um, copper and steel and transportation costs are all listed as being up in, up in uh, price. And when we look at short supply, which also drives uh, from a supply and demand issue. Uh, we're seeing some of the similar products, such as disinfectant wipes, hand sanitizers. Labor is listed in both. Labor is up in price as well as in short supply, specifically in the construction arena, uh, temporary labor. PPE is also in short supply, plastic products. Uh, so this is where that, that interrelation exists um, of uh, supply and demand. Well, gasoline here in New Jersey is going up nine cents a gallon, uh, which means that uh, we are now, again, the most expensive gas state in the country. And yeah, Jersey- I think that's uh, – I don't want everyone in New Jersey to shoot me. Isn't that because everyone lives off an exit? Uh, well, that's that's the other myth, yeah. We live off of an exit, and, uh, you know, to go to work, doesn't take much, you know, to go 25, 30 miles, uh, as opposed to taking a walk down to the shop at the corner. Uh, in New Jersey are really mobile people, so we don't mind. There is, there, yeah. That, that you're, to your point, and all kidding aside, there is um, a lot more driving, and especially as you move away from some of the city areas of, of uh, Jersey. There's much more driving and, and less use of public transportation. 
Yeah, this is true. This is true. That's why we love Murphy raising the gas tax. We want to pay more tax. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anthony, great report. It's certainly heading in the right direction. What is your sense of where it's going over the next several months as we approach the holidays? Well, I think that the track we're on right now, uh, we will see continued growth uh, for this sector. It may not be at the uh, strong rate of growth we had uh, as recent as July or even the month of August, but we'll see some continued growth, and much of it will be reliant on uh, how these businesses reopen and the protocol in place, what capacity they will reopen at. Uh, Eventually, as things wane and if the numbers keep going down on COVID, uh, we'll see the business uh, continue to increase. I think that there's been, uh, as much as this report is just solely focused on the domestic picture, uh, we've become more of a global uh, society and from an economics uh, perspective as well. And there's been uh, global stimulus, uh, financial stimulus, economic stimulus, and we're seeing it here. We might see another stimulus package come out if Congress ever gets it together. Um, And that will also bode well. Probably November 2nd. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Lou, we we said before the show we weren't going to get into the politics. I didn't get into politics. I named it Jake. <laughs> oh, I, I guess just November second is just a arbitrary date. I got it. Just an arbitrarily Monday. <laughs> uh, I think it's Monday. Well, yeah, Anthony, thank you very much for joining us again on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We Appreciate working with the Institute for Supply Management because the purchasing managers index on both the manufacturing and services side has been so indicative of what is happening in the overall economy. It has been incredibly reliable over the over decades. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, we always and, appreciate uh, participating on the show. Yeah, great. Uh, I do want to mention that we started something new uh, the other day with uh, uh, Tim Fiore, who gave us a quote uh, that uh, headlined our uh, short article uh, by the player in our website, Manufacturing Talk Radio. Uh, And you have a quote now, too. And it says, Anthony Nieves, chair of services at ISM, says, Quote, continuous growth, but not as strong as June and July. Wow. As long as I can maintain some sort of, uh, uh, you know, uh, being eligible for the yellow jacket, whatever it takes. No problem. <laughs> you're, ra- you're racking up points faster than uh, uh, Brad Holcomb did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it was great. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, and Thank I you, gentlemen. Enjoy having a couple of laughs with you. Um, Likewise. We'll be talking to you and keep pumping right. those numbers. We'll do. Stay well. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Anthony. 
And we've been speaking with Anthony Nieves, who is the committee chair for the ISM services report, the purchasing manager's index from the services side. And as always, if you're looking for in-depth information on manufacturing, please go to jacketmediaco.com where you will find the WAM podcast about women in manufacturing, this podcast, Manufacturing Talk Radio, Hazard Girls about women in unusual roles and fields, Manufacturing Matters with Cliff Waldman talking about manufacturing and the economy, Where's Willie with William Miller, and Full Time with Amy Nicholas. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.